0: complete our short series on Sunday morning worship, looking at the things we do when we meet together here on a Sunday, and looking at the preaching of God's word, at our singing together, our praying together, and this morning we want to consider the Lord's table. Next week we will begin a series in 1 Kings that will probably take us through to September. <clears throat> but for this morning we are going to think about the Lord's table. Our structure for these few weeks has been that we meet each Sunday to hear the word, pray the word, sing the word, and see the word. And as we come to think about the Lord's table, something that's, that's been described as the visible word, it involves, of course, more than sight, because we can touch it we can feel it we can even taste it and this morning we we want to think what is actually happening as we take and eat from this bread and as we take and drink from this cup most in the christian church refer to the lord's table as one of two sacraments of the church the other being baptism. The word sacrament you will not find in the New Testament. The secular word sacrament refers to an oath of loyalty by a Roman soldier to his commander. And so we can see how this word has become an appropriate term for the Lord's table and baptism. Most Christians use the term sacrament, describing the sacraments as a means of grace. That is something God uses and something God is active in to build up his people and encourage us in the faith. Some prefer the term ordinance and um, because they feel the word sacrament suggests a saving grace. I wouldn't get too caught up with defining these terms. There are different biblical terms used. First Corinthians 10, 16, Paul says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The word participation there is where we get our word communion. We commune, we participate with Christ and we're going to think a little bit more about that. First Corinthians 10:21 Paul uses the table of the Lord, the Lord's table. First Corinthians 11:20 Paul uses the Lord's supper. And Acts 2.42 refers to the breaking of bread. So you can see each of these words or phrases that we use, they are all biblical, and each of them help our understanding. What I want to do this morning is to offer a definition of the Lord's table, and then simply take that definition and explain it. <clears throat> So our definition, the Lord's table, is the church's act of fellowshipping with Christ and his people as they remember the death of Christ. It is the church's act of fellowshipping with Christ and his people as they remember the death of Christ. So it's the church's act. The Lord's table is for the church. I would say more specifically, the Lord's table is for the gathered church. First Corinthians 11 emphasised the point as Paul gives instructions about the Lord's table to the church in Corinth. He says, verse 17, when you come together. He then says, verse 18, when you come together as a church. He says, verse 20, when you come together. He says, verse 33, when you come together. Again, he says, verse 34, when you come together. He emphasises over and over, the Lord's table is for when the church come together. The church has virtually unanimously agreed throughout history that the Lord's table is for believers. That is for those who have recognised their sin against God and are trusting in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to bring them forgiveness from God and eternal peace with God. because the church's act of fellowshipping with Christ. Now here I want to begin way back at Exodus 24. Now at this point God had delivered his people from Egypt in a mighty way. God had committed himself to his people. He has given them his law. The people then commit to doing all that the Lord has said. And in Exodus 24, this covenant between God and his people is confirmed. We are told that Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord And then sacrifice was made, which was common to formally confirm the covenant. We are told that Moses took half of the blood and threw it against the altar, symbolizing the Lord's commitment to the covenant. And when the people confirmed for a second time their obedience and commitment to this covenant, Moses took the blood and threw it at the people, symbolizing their commitment. And then there is this really beautiful moment that follows when Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 elders... Went up to the God of Israel. And we read in verse 11 of Exodus 24, they beheld God and they ate and drank. God and his people, they entered into covenant with each other through a mediator that was Moses. They sealed this covenant with blood. And it resulted in a meal in the presence of God. Now, of course, this is not the Lord's table as we know it today. But surely we are to be pointed forward from there to a new mediator, Jesus Christ, who brings God's people into relationship with him, who sacrificed himself, and sealed a new covenant with his own blood, and brings us, by means of the Lord's table, to a fellowship meal in his presence. Now we move forward to Luke chapter 22, which is widely accepted as the institution of the Lord's table as we know it. Here we are told that Jesus desired to eat the Passover with his disciples. Now the Passover was to remember the final plague in Egypt and God's deliverance from that. God said that he would strike down all the firstborn in Egypt But his people, they were to sacrifice a lamb, put its blood on the doorposts, and when the blood was seen, then God's judgment would pass over. His people would escape his judgment by means of the blood of a perfect lamb. Now this meal that Jesus shared with his disciples, Jesus took bread at that meal and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood you see as jesus shares this fellowship meal with his disciples he is saying i am the passover lamb that will be sacrificed in place of god's people to rescue them from god's judgment we turn over again to Luke 24 now by this time Jesus has been sacrificed buried and raised again and it is resurrection day and two followers of Jesus were walking back from Jerusalem to their own village Emmaus As they were walking, they were discussing all that had happened in the previous days. We're told that Jesus himself drew near and he began to walk with them. But they were kept from recognizing who Jesus was. Jesus asked them what they were talking about. And in so many words, they said to Jesus, are you seriously asking us that? Are you the only person who does not know what happened in Jerusalem? So they told Jesus what had happened. And then we're told, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. When they arrived at their house, Jesus went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, verse 30, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And we're told he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road when he opened to us the scriptures? In verse 35, after returning to Jerusalem, they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of... Of bread. Here we see Jesus chose to reveal himself in the breaking of bread. They had been in the presence of Jesus all day, but it was as they broke bread, their experience of that presence became real. We turn to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. The cup of blessing that we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ. The bread that we break isn't not a participation in the body of Christ. Now, we've already referred to this word The Greek word used for participation is where we get our word communion or fellowship. At the Lord's table there is a communing, a a, a closeness with Christ. Now here Paul is speaking to the church about eating foods that have been sacrificed to idols. And in one sense, food is food, and an idol is an idol. It is no God compared to our gods. But, Paul says, I do not want you to be participants with demons. So he's saying, the reason you stay away from food sacrificed to idols is because if you are engaging then you are participating or fellowshipping with demons. Now, Paul puts the two in contrast. He says you're either fellowshipping with God through the Lord's table or you are fellowshipping with demons through pagan sacrifices. And he says it doesn't make any sense to want to do both. And it makes the point to us that to eat the bread and drink the cup is more than just eating and drinking. It is to fellowship. It is to commune with Christ. Now of course the question is in what way then is the presence of Christ with us in the Lord's table and is that different to how he is normally present with us? Well this has been the cause of major debate. There are four main views. Um, At one end there is Transubstantiation, that's the big word. Um, Those who hold to this view believe a miracle takes place, and by a miracle the bread and the wine are changed into the actual physical body of Christ. Next, from that, then, there is consubstantiation, that's another big word, and most notably here, the reformer Luther. He believed in the physical presence of Christ, but not because of a miracle of the bread and wine turning into the body of Christ, but simply because Christ promised, this is my body, this is my blood. At the other side, and perhaps most notably the reformer Zwingli, he believed in what we call a memorial view. He argued that the word is from this is my body should be translated "signifies." This signifies my body. This signifies my blood. And he backed this up with similar words from Scripture in other places. And the basis for his view were Christ's words, do this in remembrance. So his point is that the Lord's table is nothing more than an act of remembrance for his people. The reformer Calvin then, he took some kind of middle ground. He believed Christ was specially present in the supper but in a spiritual way rather than a physical way. His argument was that Christ's physical body is in heaven and therefore cannot be on earth. He also acknowledges the role of the Holy Spirit in bringing us to Christ, to that place of close fellowship. Kelvin himself admits there is a mystery to this, He says, I quote him here, If anyone should ask me how this takes place, I shall not be ashamed to confess that it is a secret too lofty for either my mind to comprehend or my words to declare. And to speak more plainly, he says, I rather experience than understand it. Calvin's view is the most widely held view. More Baptists actually tend to go with Zwingli's view, the memorial view, although our main Baptist confessions do recognize more than a memorial view. Allow me to read you. Um, Worthy receivers, this is from the 1689 Confession, worthy receivers outwardly partaking of the visible elements in this ordinance, they've gone for the word ordinance, do then also inwardly by faith, really and indeed, yet not carnally and corporally, but spiritually receive and feed upon Christ crucified and all the benefits of his death. The body and blood of Christ being then not corporally or carnally but spiritually present to the faith of believers in that ordinance as the elements themselves are to their outward senses. So in other words, as we can see and taste and feel bread and a cup, there is a sense in which we will feel the presence of Christ in a spiritual way. So what do you think? (laughs) Is Christ more present at the Lord's table than perhaps the rest of the service? Sinclair Ferguson says, we do not get a different or a better Christ in the sacraments than we do in the Word, but we may get the same Christ better. I think there's something in this. I refer again Back to Luke 24. It was during the breaking of bread that Christ revealed himself, and they were able in a better way to experience his presence. Luke 22, I believe, as Christ desired, wanted to share that. Passover meal with his disciples so he desires to commune to fellowship with us today through the Lord's Supper. As we participate in the Lord's table, we share in the benefits of Christ, to use that language from the confession, his death for us, his body for us. His blood for us. It is perhaps as we participate in the Lord's table that we have assurance greater than at any other time of God's love and acceptance and forgiveness. In first century, eating together meant much more than just simply sharing food. If someone invited you for food to share a meal with you, they were saying, I want to share my life with you. I want close fellowship with you. And I think today we haven't altogether lost that. If we invite someone to to our home for a meal, we're not simply saying, I want to feed you, but I want to be with you. You're invited to a meal in the presence of Christ. See, the Lord himself is your host. And that's important. Because as I invite you each week to the Lord's table, ultimately this invitation doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from this church. It's not a Baptist invitation. This invitation is from the Lord himself. He desires to meet you. There, to be with you, to share himself and all his many benefits with you. It's the church's act of fellowshipping with Christ. Our next points will be more brief. It's the church's act of fellowshipping with Christ and each other. We do not come to the Lord's table alone. As we share fellowship with Christ, we share fellowship with his body, the church. As we claim Christ and his benefits, so we claim his people as our brother's As we share in the Lord's table together, we make a statement of who we are, the people of God brought together in Christ. Remember that contrast that Paul made in 1 Corinthians 10. He says you either share fellowship with Christ through the Lord's Supper or you share fellowship with demons through pagan sacrifices. He says you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. As you share in the Lord's table, you're saying, I belong to the people of God. We come together. Paul says we we are one body for we all partake of one bread. We saw in 1 Corinthians 11 that Paul emphasized that when you come together, he said it five times. And there, the theme of our togetherness and unity as the people of God in the local church is the context that Paul says to us, discern the body. Listen to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28. Paul says, let a man examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. So we examine ourselves before the Lord's table by discerning the body. What is the body? It is the people of God in the local church. Paul here is wanting to encourage the believers to eat and drink in a worthy manner. To eat and drink in a worthy manner is to examine yourself by discerning the body. That is, we come to the Lord's table with an acute awareness of our brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, those who were eating in an unworthy manner, they were coming to the Lord's table thinking only of themselves and their needs. And I think that that is a great temptation for us. We come to the Lord's table and we see it between me and God. But Paul says the appropriate way to approach the table is to see it between us and God. It may even be helpful as we approach the Lord's table to literally take a look around at your brothers and sisters whom Christ has died for and examine yourself. Am I loving them? Am I aware of their needs? Am I striving to meet their needs? So, come to the Lord's table. There's a a recommitment. A recommitment, yes, of course, to the Lord and to his people. A recommitment to love and care and provide for the family that he has given us within his local church. It's the church's act of fellowshipping with Christ and his people as they remember the death of christ now perhaps this is the thing that comes to mind first when we think of the lord's table it is a table it is an act of remembrance and so it is again Luke 22 jesus said do this in remembrance of me first corinthians 11 do this in remembrance of me when Jesus had that final Passover meal with his disciples, he wasn't telling them to continue remembering the exodus from Egypt, but he was telling them to remember the deliverance that he would accomplish through his death on the cross. We today are to remember that Christ was unjustly accused. He was sentenced to death. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. We are to remember that, yes, Christ died in our place. It's interesting, the scriptures do not refer to the wine, but to the cup. And I believe that is referring to the cup of God's wrath cup that Christ prayed could be taken from him but was not the Father's will and so Christ willingly drank the cup and there is the perfect eternal sinless son of God hung on the cross in our place there the cup of God's wrath was poured on him instead of us Christ drank the cup of wrath so that we could be brought to the Lord's table and drink the cup of salvation and deliverance. We remember that we have been brought near to God and to each other by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. When we remember that, how can we not be changed? How can we not experience the Lord's love and grace and forgiveness and kindness? This table of remembrance is not just looking back, but it is also looking forward. Again, Luke twenty two the last passover jesus shared with his disciples he says verse 18 for i tell you that from now on i will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of god comes and there jesus is referring to the future kingdom when he will return again first corinthians 11:28: for as often as ye eat this bread And drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, there is an end time to this table as we know it. The fellowship we share now with Christ and his people will give way to a much greater experience of fellowship with Christ and his people in the future. What we remember in the past, Christ's body given for us, his blood poured out for us, what we remember in the past guarantees our future. Listen to some words from Revelation 19, describing that future day to us as we come to focus our minds and our hearts. Revelation 19, verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints the angel said to me write this blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb and he said to me these are the true words of god then i fell down at his feet that is to the feet of the angel to worship him But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. What is heaven? What is heaven? Heaven is a feast in the presence of Christ fellowshipping with Christ and his people, worshipping God. If you belong to the church, if you count yourself among the people of God this morning, then come. This invitation is for you. Indeed, blessed are you who are invited to this table. Come, And enjoy fellowship with Christ and his people. Come and enjoy this foretaste of heaven. Come and worship God. We're going to sing together just now. And directly after that we'll have a few minutes of open prayer to give God thanks for this bread and this cup and the privilege that it is to be invited to this table this morning. As we do that, let's examine ourselves, let us remember, and let us worship God. So we'll stand to sing, then we'll sit for prayer, and then I I will lead us in the bread.